Welcome to the Innovation Today podcast, where we speak with today's technology leaders about how they're innovating to stay ahead of changing industry dynamics and reaching new levels of productivity and automation. Brought to you by ServiceNow, your partner in digital transformation. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of the Innovation Today podcast. I'm your host, Spencer B. Miller, Innovation Officer here at ServiceNow. And today I'm super energized and excited to welcome Carrie Blunt, the global head of ServiceNow Solutions at Fujitsu. Welcome, Carrie. Thanks very much, Spencer. Really good to be here. Amazing. All right. So today we're we're going to talk about, of course, topics all around ESG and specifically how to use these existing data that maybe customers and listeners out there already have to set actionable goals to hit their ESG milestone targets. I think before we dive into it, Carrie, first I'd, I'd love for us to to learn a little bit about you, your role, and and maybe why the topic is important to you at this point in time. Yeah, sure. Thanks very much. So uh, yeah, so I've worked for Fujitsu uh, for a long while, had a lot of different roles, uh, and at the moment I'm our uh, I'm our head of ServiceNow Solutions. Uh, but my one of my passion projects from within the ServiceNow space is the is the ServiceNow ESG module. So I'm a kind of a, an ambassador for that uh, within the company and with our um, with our customers. Fujitsu is a company that's very uh, passionate about uh, sustainability. It's part of our purpose to uh, make the world more sustainable um, using innovation, and uh, and this fits perfectly with this podcast, I think. Yeah, that's lovely, and it, it actually kind of ties in perfectly with our our purpose of making the world work better. So it seems like there's a fair amount of synergies there. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, perfect. So I'd love to to kind of dive into it and learn a little bit more about maybe more than just like what ESG is outside or on top of just environmental sustainability. Do you have any thoughts around that? Yeah, definitely. So everyone needs to consider the E, the S, and the G. So environmental, social, and governance. So obviously, environmental gets the the big headlines at the moment, and absolutely rightly so. But um, it's important that we're considering all of the the social metrics as well, and um, we need to to govern that properly. We may need to make sure that it's done uh, well and efficiently, uh, and um, under some control, uh, just to make sure that we're um, measuring and comparing things um, fairly. Uh, Fujitsu has a um, a branding we call Uvance, which is a sort of universal and advance together in in one new word, and um, really that is um, important because it's about taking everyone forward at the same pace, no one getting left behind, uh, and that um, that messaging I think um, it fits in with ESG because it is that environmental part, but it is that social part as well. It's about people as much as it's about the environment. Yeah, it even has an all-encompassing feel to it to kind of tie into that social theme of, it, it, I guess, involving anybody in this universality of of this globe that we live on, right? I think we've always been, well, I think some companies have, have always been somewhat mindful about how their actions affect the environment. I think individuals in the same manner. But I, I love the trend to start to see how now it's becoming at the forefront of the conversation of even how businesses operate and decide to do business together. And in some cases, even reporting to Wall Street to see how it affects the stock price. 
like ESG seems like it's just getting more and more ingrained in how we operate and how we how we go to work and how our businesses at work operate with each other. Yeah, there's lots of stakeholders there, aren't there? So you mentioned you mentioned Wall Street. Uh, you mentioned um, that kind of uh, investment reporting, and of course, um, that's one set of stakeholders. But also, uh, employees within a company are an important set of stakeholders. You want to know what's going on. Um, your customers, more and more these days, want to understand what type of company you are and what you stand for. Uh, and so, there's all these stakeholders all wanting some information from you on on ESG. Totally. Now, what are what are some tips that you think that allow companies to start to set actionable goals on these? I know at, at ServiceNow, we have a goal to be net neutral from a carbon output standpoint, standpoint to hit that E-score by 2030. How, how can we see companies like this and just companies in general make that an, an actionable goal? Yeah, because some of these targets are, are quite far off, right? So 20, 2030, 2040, 2050... It would be very easy to kick the can down the road and sort of forget about those things for a while because they seem like they're too far away in the future. Exactly. But in order to hit a, a goal like that, which is sometime in the future, it's important to have incremental goals and targets on that journey. It is a journey. Yeah. And so I think one of the, the best things that companies can do is to start. I mean, that's important get started, get started in some small way. Uh, and I also think that breaking those uh, full goals down into smaller, more bite-sized chunks is another great step that, that companies can take. Um, we run a, a goal-setting workshop uh, where we sit down with customers and we help them do just that. We might take those ambitions and break them down into goals and targets so that um, firstly, you can track your progress, but secondly, you can make sure that you are making some progress uh, all the time regularly instead of running it like uh, a big waterfall project where right at the end, you've either met the goal or you haven't. It's much better to deal with it like uh, like an agile process. So start and do something and iterate and, and get better. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, and and actually, it's it's probably the reason that you and I both kind of love the ESG offering and and module, and not to get too far into product, but of how ServiceNow kind of paints the lens of understanding the lay of the land as it is, getting the metrics and collecting it from the multiple data sources, but also tying that into a service portfolio management suite, which of course it does have a project management lens on it, but it can also have agile forces, portions of those phases. So you actually see those goals in your instance and in your dashboard and able to kind of track these actionable milestones along the way and, and make that iterative progress to those those longer kind of seemingly far out goals. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to hit the target that you don't set in the first place, right? So you could, you've got to start to set a, set a target and then you want to be able to measure your attainment against that target and ideally on a on a regular basis uh, because a lot of sustainability reports for example might only be published once a year if you're only checking your progress once a year then then that's a problem so you've got to have a system that enables you to collect data regularly and enables you to visualize that data regularly and enables you to run projects and programs 
that help you move towards that target and then see the output of those programs reflected in the metrics. Then you've got a system where you can be uh, updating your stakeholders much more regularly than a, than a, a once a year report that's taking you a lot of time and effort to generate. Right. It, it almost ingrains you as an ESG minded company. Like you have it in your core of how you make decisions on a regular basis because it's just embedded in the, in the culture and it's front and foremost with the analytics at your fingertips. So you, it, you can't really, you can't really hide from it from, you know, these year out projections because it's, it's something that is, is always there. It's, it's always, um, you know, it's kind of always painting the picture for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You've got that, a visualization of your progress and you understand what your next tasks are and you know how those are going to impact your metrics overall. Yeah, that, that that's that's super helpful on the actionable aspect. Now, I'm kind of, I'm a bit curious here to maybe the listeners out there that are wondering how to get a lay of the land of the data that they already have. And and I think that it, it can sometimes feel a little bit monumental to try and collect all these different pieces to report on a score and, and trend towards those goals. Do you, do you have any insight or input on how customers and, and clients out there could kind of think about collecting the data that that's already there and start to start to use those to progress towards those actionable goals? It can be a bit of a daunting task, like you say, because there's a lot of regulatory pressure. Um, the regulations demand reporting on more and more metrics, more regulations get released all the time. And just the effort required to collect that data and then report on it can be, can look like a big challenge. What I would say is that you do have a, a lot of the data already and you need to divide up um, your, your work into, into sort of two streams and get the balance right. So I often see sustainability teams within companies who are spending all their time collecting data and not any time doing doing good, let's say. So doing ESG initiatives to, um, to improve those metrics. So you've really got to decide how you're going to split your time between those two sets of activities and try and make sure they don't interfere with each other. A lot of the data will come from places systems you've got already. Let's say, for example, your HR system is going to be key to this. Your diversity and inclusion metrics, for example, for your for the S part of ESG are probably going to come from your, uh, your HR system. And so spending time getting that integration to collect that data from that system and allow you to report on it easily is, is time well spent. For other bits of data, you may not have it in a system. You know, let's say you're collecting your uh, energy usage from your uh, each of your sites. Uh, well, your facilities manager might have that information on the electricity bill, or it might be somewhere in your finance system represented as a, as a cost number. But that doesn't mean that you've got the kilowatt hours available to you that you've used in terms of electricity easily available to you. So there are there are ways you can you can deal with that in some cases with the utility company, um, but quite often it means sending a manual task to someone for someone to get that information off the electricity bill and put it into the into a system, and companies have been doing that I think mostly up until now with 
spreadsheets um, and email and a lot of time and effort. But I don't think we can afford to do that for much longer, for any longer really, just because of the amount of data that's got to be collected. You really have to have it in a in a system and have a, a workflow for that process where you are collecting that data systematically from the right people uh, and making it available into the reporting with as minimal effort as possible. Yeah, that's a that's a huge point. I, I think you raised a couple of good good areas there. So it, it it is a little bit archaic and maybe how we collect this today. It's it's not uncommon, right? It it, it was a little bit of how uh, a, a, well a lot of how systems started to co- consolidate into kind of these strategic vendors of platforms out there that have better solutions for tasking than email and and um, Excel spreadsheets. Now, I, I think what's a nice intermediary step on that is is we actually so so instances can take in emails, so we can actually take in. Uh, or send out actions on that same level that individuals are used to working in email, but it can start to populate. It can kind of be this intermediary step where it starts to populate into the databases, into the system where you're tracking the dashboards. And then once once the the kind of the lay of the land or the culture gets comfortable with working in the instance, well, then you you have you have some better visibility as to how long and tasking it's going to take. You can start to assign SLAs to it. And then what's what's really exciting about this is we could even leverage things like document intelligence to start to scan those energy bills to automatically populate fields into the database. So without getting too techy about it, I mean, you could really see a lot of benefits of where this can go once you start to kind of consolidate that information and wrap, wrap an understanding process or regular process around it. Yeah, there's definitely a maturity scale thing going on here. Yeah, and um, and it's important to recognize that and not be not be embarrassed about it as a company. I think and and not treat it like a huge data problem where you're trying to get all that data together in one uh, big database through a uh, through some sort of uh, data exercise. Actually, you wanna you wanna start and um, collect things manually and then improve them with a better manual collection and then improve them again, like you said, with OCR. And then improve them again with automation and um, integration links. All of those steps move you up a maturity scale. And then you can start to work out how you're going to use that data. There's already also a maturity scale there. There's bringing in, uh, as you said, the the project management system to run your ESG initiatives. And then there's uh, things like running your ESG audits, managing your ESG risk. Those are things you're probably not going to do from day one. But as you start to build that kind of ESG awareness around your organization, you'll find that there's lots more places and lots more things you can achieve with that data once you've got an efficient way of collecting it and processing it. Totally true. I, I, and I think that you probably have maybe one or two of these in your back pocket, but I'm curious as to maybe you have an example of where you've consulted a company to start to improve their ESG scores. Yeah, what's great about the ESG conversations is that everyone's open to have that conversation because we're all pretty much at the same point. Some people are a little bit ahead of others, but generally we're all um, struggling with this as a as a problem. And what's great is then you get to see that problem represented in all sorts of different industries and all sorts of different uh, scales and, and sizes. You know, if you're a manufacturer, maybe you're considering your um, the materials that are in your product that you're manufacturing 
and you're looking at through that lens and maybe you are most worried about your supply chain quite often the production of something has lots of suppliers involved you know providing the materials and things like that and so your supply chain might be the might be the biggest problem and that's one sort of level of complexity but then i was speaking recently to a an education authority a, a school board and they have 1300 or so schools in their in their area that they'd like to collect esg information from now the level of information they're going to collect from each school is not is not very high it's only a handful of metrics probably per school but they've got to do that across 1300 schools and so it's just a different size and scale of problem um so it's really interesting to see all those different use cases yeah how, how did you help them i'm curious uh even though it, the metrics they were collecting from each school was maybe only a, a handful, how did you kind of give them that idea of taking an iterative approach to still collect from all 1,300 sites? Well, the thing I suppose about uh, ESG data is it's not necessarily technical IT users. Um, so, um, and in this case, we want to get it to a point where actually it's the school kids who are providing the data, right? They're having lessons about that kind of thing. Maybe they're involved in inputting it. And so you've got to get your data collection down to a, a method, which is really easy for people to use. So the ease of the interface uh, for people to input the data becomes really important. That UI experience becomes really important. Um, and then, um, of course, you can then you can then work out how you're gonna how you're gonna scale it up. You start with a few sites, um, get bigger, get bigger. And often it might depend on uh, the size of the site. So primary and secondary schools might be slightly different in that use case, uh, and also uh, the uh, type of energy they're using. So some of these school sites were quite remote, and were using, for example, like oil fired boilers to heat the buildings and things like that. So um, collecting the data for that is different from a school that's using most of the electricity, maybe for their heating. So there were some things that you can do to um, group uh, sites together or reduce that complexity or manage that complexity. Um, but uh, ease of interface is, uh, is an important factor. Yeah, that's helpful. And I, I love your idea there of maybe it gets so easy from an interface standpoint that the, the students themselves are able to input the data and have kind of an ESG-minded approach towards bettering how they, the schools operate towards each other. I'm, I'm curious to this, uh, maybe along those same lines, on, on how you think maybe ESG will start to impact how businesses operate for each other. Like, will we, Do you think we'll start making decisions based on or, or we'll make decisions to do business with certain businesses because their ESG scores are higher than another. Like I think of the supply chain, for example, if I'm if I'm sourcing from a um, an environment environmentally friendly source with a higher ESG score sourcer, then more than likely that you know if costs and everything else are are relatively similar, I'm going to choose the the vendor or the supplier with the higher source. Do you think that'll be a, a, a constant theme or how do you think about how businesses will start to, to interact with ESG and my? Yeah, I think uh, responsible procurement is definitely a theme that's, that's coming, right? It's definitely something the procurement departments are already thinking about. And 
it's already something that they're trying to score their suppliers on. So maybe you might have already been scoring your suppliers to some extent based on financial risk, for example, or uh, security risk. And I think what's happening now is the ESG score or ESG risk is also being included in the calculation. So you might be getting a rating for your suppliers from a, from a third party. So EcoVardis, for example, you can get the EcoVardis rating for a company and have it um, imported into, into ServiceNow against all of your suppliers. That's an example. Could be a different uh, ratings agency, or it could be your own uh, score that you're creating based on a set of questions that you're, that you're asking those suppliers. But the key point is that you need to reduce the friction in that process and be able to gather the information from all of your suppliers in a way that is relatively easy for them. Uh, these conversations require a bit of backwards and forwards. So you need to sort of have that backwards and forwards logged and recorded so you can understand who said what when. Um, and then you can build up a picture of your relationship with those suppliers and the scores uh, that we just mentioned. And then I think you, the customers will start to make those decisions, those responsible procurement decisions and, uh, and swap out suppliers who have the best rating or, or the lowest risk. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I almost see, I see a few things here. One, one maybe being how we could leverage blockchain technology to start to be the, the, the trusted ledger of how we view those operated or how we view those metrics and, and scores that are being kept. If they're verified on the blockchain, then we can kind of exchange it and, and trust that it's, um, that the company that we're doing business with has, has that ledger to be able to back it up and proving. And then I almost, I almost kind of have a fun art of the possible thought. And I'm curious to yours on this is, do you think it'll ever get to a point where, where individuals either in their own personal lives or at the companies they work for carry some type of ESG score themselves, similar to how we carry, carry a credit score based on how our, our financial history has been? Yeah, I, I think that is going to be a thing that's going to become more and more prevalent. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get to the point where you know the ESG score is floating over your head in a Zoom call, but <laughs> um, certainly we're going to need some sort of personal... Uh, involvement. And I, I think back to kind of health and safety culture, maybe 10, 20 years ago and how it is today. And I think in most companies nowadays, everyone understands their obligations under health and safety, right? So they understand the policies, uh, they understand what steps they've got to go through to get something done in a safe way and in accordance with the policy. Right. There's probably a little bit of compliance in there as well, but everyone sort of understands their own personal obligation. The same is true of, uh, of security practices as well. We all understand our own obligation to meet the security policy and to do the best we can related to security. Right. And I think ESG will eventually become the same type of thing. Once ESG is embedded in your organization, you'll be able to understand your own personal responsibility and, and and make the right decisions to com to comply with that policy, and there'll be a little bit of little bit of carrot and a little bit of stick like there is with with health and safety. 
but it will become a much more personal responsibility. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. That's how you get your organization all moving uh, in the same strategic direction. I think so too. I think that's a good thing as well. I mean, we, we, we take, I know at least it, at ServiceNow, we take, um, you know, a code of ethics policy and training each year. We take a security policy and training each year, a, a health and safety policy each year. So I, 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 I got to imagine it's only a matter of time before ESG starts getting to the forefront of those trainings that just kind of get added to our arsenal. And then it might even be cool if we could gamify this in some type of way of, well, well, you know, Carrie, we noticed that you're going, you could be going on a flight to go meet the clients. And we noticed that it's actually the only meeting in, in that day. So would you mind, or maybe we could incentivize you to up your ESG score if you handle this remotely via a Zoom call and not take the flight and kind of gain, gain a carbon offset credit, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, there's all sorts of things I think you can do to, to incentivize the workforce and and it's important to people as well. Um, I think more and more people joining organizations want to know they're working for a company who cares. And having that surfaced up into their everyday lives is actually a thing that people respect. I don't think they, they're going to see it as a, an unnecessary overhead or an, an onerous thing. It could be just part of working for a decent company. Yeah, I look forward to that day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, what if we worked for, uh, you know, this is a little bit of a tricky one. What if we worked for like a, a fossil fuel company where granted there's that, that E is the, the big top of mind for how they report out into the world, but for better or for worse, it's kind of hard to avoid the pollutant associated with the product that they produce. What do you think the next generation of fossil fuel companies are going to become? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, um, but you'd be surprised how much the companies that you uh, consider to be part of the problem in terms of carbon emissions, many of them are on the front foot trying to to work this out. Maybe they were trying to do it from a uh, from a publicity point of view to start with, but now they are getting much more to a how do we transform our, our business and recognizing that the better they do with ESG, probably the better their um, business is going to be. I actually spoke to a uh, an energy company who who traditionally were um, a power generator. They used to dig uh, peat out of the ground and um, and use it to power power stations. And they have completely done a complete pivot, and now they're an ESG consulting company. So it does show you that it's uh, it's possible. And um, you know, I was talking to an oil and gas company where they're exploring how do they manage any potential methane leaks. So as a greenhouse gas, uh, if they've got old well sites that they own and are still responsible for, but are not productive anymore, how do they make sure they're not getting any methane leaks from those? And so I think even those companies understand that they've got a responsibility to manage uh, any CO2 emission, um, the business that's disappearing. And, uh, while they're replacing it with new business and transforming, they will, they will need to manage the old business down as well. And so smart technology solutions are probably, uh, just as relevant to them as they are for everybody else. Yeah. Thanks for that. And, and actually we had a, a pretty 
great conversation with Alexi, the CEO over at Emission Box, who is targeting that exact problem of methane leaks out there in old wells. And, and they actually physically put a box out there for, you know, a, a, a lot discounted or discounted rate of the cost. And the box actually feeds analytics into the ESG command center that you and I are familiar with and work from and, and service now. So there, there are solutions out there and, and we can tell that companies are thinking about it today. Yeah, I've, um, that's the beauty of it. Like I was saying before about the, the range of companies, even if you go to the absolute opposite end of the scale. So I was talking to a charity recently. So you're already at the virtuous end of the, uh, of the spectrum, I guess. Um, but they're really interested in efficiency around collecting their ESG data because every penny that they can save on their ESG data activity, they can spend trying to cure cancer. So yeah, you've absolutely got, everyone is interested in this subject and it, it doesn't matter which end of the spectrum you are. Uh, there's always something to have a good conversation about. And there's always something that where increasing some efficiency or um, having a smart tool can make a real difference. Yeah, beautifully put. Now, I, th I think we'll we'll start to kind of tie this to to a close here. I've been, I've been quite enjoying where where we've extrapolated into this topic. And I think maybe it helps to maybe round it out in, in a few questions. But we, we started to understand the how to make actions and how to consolidate the, the data into a start to consolidate at least into some area that you're working from. Where where do you usually consult? So if a customer sits on a or a, a client out there sits somewhere on the stage level of, of I want to start with ESG, but I just I, I don't quite know where. What's what's kind of your best way to help them feel like they can they can get started with this monumental ESG journey? Yeah, a lot of companies that we speak to have already taken step one, which is to do a materiality assessment. So you'll find uh, that term materiality assessment. I wasn't really aware of it until I started working in in the ESG world. Uh, but you know, it's normally a consulting exercise to work out which risks are going to be a big thing for your business in the next few years. So which things do you need to do something about, or they're going to really affect your business? And a lot of companies we speak to have done that exercise and then got stuck. So they they know what they need to do, but they don't know how to take the next step to do it. Right. Um, and um, what we normally do is we sit down with them and we do that that goal setting and target setting workshop that I referenced before. And what we try to do is um, take all of those material topics and then come up with a set of goals which are you know smart goals. So um, they're they're specific and they're measurable and they're time bound and all that kind of stuff. And we start to then think about well, where's the data today? Do we have the data today? Who's the data owner? How frequently do we need to collect that data? All of those kinds of questions and get that goal and target down to a level of detail where you can actually start to collect it and use it. And even if you do that for one goal or two goals and you start to measure them and you, you iterate and then you add more and more and more over time, Maybe then you start to refer to the regulations that you feel you want to hit. You start bringing in more metric data points from those targets. And you very 
quickly start to build uh, a really good view of the things that matter to you with the data supporting them. Uh, and that starts to make a, a real difference to your perception of uh, these, these big challenges. Uh, it makes you feel like you're really making a step forward. And I think once customers do that and start to get moving, then um, the effect of that gets seen in the rest of their business. And then you've got this uh, iterative, virtuous uh, cycle happening where you just get better and better at it. Yeah, that feels that feels actionable to me. And it feels like once you get, you know, one, one two, three, a couple wins under your belt from from those smart goals that you set, and see the actions start to come to fruition on trending towards a, a better ESG score, then then it just is is kind of this self fulfilling prophecy of of you feeling like you're getting getting to where you need to be. Um, and then I guess maybe the, the roundabout question as to where you need to be, where where do you think we're headed with this thing? So let's go maybe five, ten years out, or however out you feel comfortable with. But what could ESG look like in five to ten years for you? Yeah, I feel that I hope we will get to a point where it is embedded culturally, where we do have a level of maturity in our businesses where ESG is really integrated and we are governing our organization um, based in part on our, on our ESG principles and the data that we've got. Um, and I think we will start to see big winners and some losers from companies who took the initiative early, uh, started to make changes, and then started to really get uh, business wins um, and improvement in customer sentiment and all sorts of things like that that then are really great for their business. And actually, I think probably at that point in time, we'll be looking back and, and being able to point to companies and saying that company's ESG stance or policy has made their business it's made a big difference to their business it's transformed their business it's put them in the leader spot i think you will be able to track that back to a set of potentially esg related actions or activity or a stance on it that um uh, that's really worked out for them i love it yeah thanks so much Kerry. this is uh it's really been a pleasure it's I've, I've enjoyed this kind of journey that we've we've walked along um of the past 30 30 or so minutes and, and started to really get, actually learned a, a fair amount of things about where the, the lay of the land and, and how customers out there can, can feel comfortable with this, not feeling like such a, a, a monumental task at hand. It's, it's really something that's, you know, already at the forefront of, of their ability to be able to do. So I, I greatly appreciate you joining today and, and thanks for sharing your knowledge with us. Yeah, no problem. It's a fascinating subject. There's always a conversation to be had with customers about it, which is why I love it. Um, and um, yeah, always happy to, to cover it with you guys. Amazing. Thanks so much, Gary. Once again, this was the Innovation Today podcast. We'll see you on the next one.